I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We're going to start this week off right. We got a great show planned for you. As always, I've got my caffeine levels right. I got good sleep last night. So uh, got a great show planned for you. Hope you guys are, man, getting through things. You know, I, I remember thinking... I actually said this on the show many, many times, like, all right, y'all, this summer is going to be different. This fall is going to be different. I even said to patients in my practice, don't worry, y'all, like we're going to see our families. We're going to be on the vacations we want to be on. We're going to have our holidays the way we want to have them. And apparently I wasn't, or let me say it differently. Apparently I was underestimating collective care, empathy, and responsibility, because a lot of people apparently don't understand that uh, we are responsible for the impact we have on others. I talk about that as often as I can on the show, because that's a major reorientation from how we see things in a lot of cultures, but especially our American culture, where we really think we only have to worry about ourselves, or our family, or our friends, or our neighborhood, or our state, or our country. I mean, again, all these arbitrary divisions that aren't real, um, and uh, we're not getting vaccinated or we're fighting the need to wear masks. Delta uh, is kicking our butts and um, no hope in sight. Let's be honest. I don't see hope in sight. I think this is something as I read all the articles that is going to be with us for a while. The Delta variant is not going to be the last variant. There will be more to come. We will be learning still as to whether or not we need boosters, new vaccines. We're still looking at the data as to how long the prior vaccines will last for those of us that caring about others, right? Having actual empathy. Um, How long that will last? I got my vaccines forever ago. There are breakthroughs, um, even if it's minor. I don't want it. I don't want COVID. I don't want to be a long hauler. I don't want to be one of those people that had a breakthrough and is struggling. So um, my point being, <clears throat> we we have to buckle down for a lot longer. And it's interesting. I don't know what that mental health toll will be because we're moving into yet a new phase of collective mental struggle that we're not familiar with. You know, we were talking about, and this this research was really profound for me in relationship to this topic because we don't know what life is like with such an ongoing pandemic, right? And we were looking at research around isolation. What are the ongoing long-term impacts of people that have been isolated from the world and others for long periods of time? And we were looking at research from those, thank you, NASA, that were on space stations and, and, and prison studies. And we were realizing that, you know, isolation is highly toxic. In fact, isolation and separation from others is one of the most psychologically toxic experiences. And that's why solitary confinement in prisons are um, a human rights violation. Punishing and distancing from people is, you know, very much a, a, a social norm that's abusive. But nonetheless, we were looking at the phases. The first phase is there's, you know, again, not positive, but there's this dynamicism and excitement of this is new, what's happening, there's fear, there's anxiety, but nonetheless, on your system, that's very stimulating. All stimulation is not positive or pleasurable, but it's hyper arousing. Our nervous systems are spiked. Then we moved into somewhat of like a flatness where depression kicks in 
and there's a familiarity, but a little bit of a acceptance, but there's a little bit of hopelessness in there, but it's a flattening, right? It's a, it's a business as usual, although it's not positive. Then we start getting stir crazy and rambunctious, right? Think about a car ride. You get in the car, you're like, all right, we're going to Disneyland. And then you're a couple hours in and you're like, okay, I've settled into the nothingness. I'm kind of napping, eating my, you know, God knows whatever snacks you packed. And you're like, okay. But then you hit that one point where you're like, all right, y'all, how much longer? I need to get out of the car. Can you drive faster? That's the third phase where you start getting a little aggressive, right? Well, what happens after that? We don't know, and we're moving into that, where we have access to things, we still have to wear a mask, so it's kind of like we're participating in the world, but it's still not safe to go to spaces. Look, I'm not socializing around crowds. I'm not going in unventilated areas. I'm still not back in my clinical practice because my office doesn't have windows that open, right? Still recording my show from home because the studio's not ventilated or safe, but we don't know what this like new phase is and we don't even know what's next. So there's this like anticipatory anxiety. So we're going to be seeing. So what am I saying in all of this? Well, I'm saying a couple of things. Thank you to those that have gotten vaccinated and are wearing their masks. Thank you to those collectively who are not picking fights with those whose job it is to enforce those rules, but yet don't make them. You know, the person working the front desk of the gym did not decide single-handedly that there's going to be a mask mandate, but yet has to enforce that. Thank you to those that haven't spit at them or name called because yes, we are hearing tons of stories about that. In fact, the girl at the front desk of the gym was telling me about the people that are picking fights with her, screaming at her, and she's like, bro, I get paid minimum wage. I'm here to pay my bills. Like, I didn't make that decision. Please don't come for me around it. You know what I mean? So thank you to those that are having some, some compassion around that. But we don't know what's coming next. And so get vaccinated, wear your masks, hold those around you responsible. To all the people going to concerts and taking these big trips, you're kind of part of the problem. We need to do a little bit better. We're all in this together. We're going to keep tracking it. But like, we're not out of this yet. It's going to get, it's going to most likely get worse. Going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about things to find pride in in life that has more sustainability. And I'm going to try to tie it all together. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, y'all. We are back. And, uh, you know, just doing, doing a little bit of some scare tactic in the earlier segment. Not really, but it's important to keep it real. You know, we were just kind of processing the fact that we got a lot more to come. This Delta variant and whatever variant's going to come after, it's kind of kicking our butts. We're hanging tight. We're doing what we need to do. Um, but we don't know what's coming and we don't know the psychological impact. So what does that mean? It means we're kind of going to go back to some of the basics. Make sure you are getting out of the house and getting some fresh air. Please do make sure you set up some kind of self-care routine and please make sure that you are socializing safely and connecting to others. And that's the best we can do right now. Um, Want to get into a topic we're going to spend some time with. I'm always advocating for us to reorient and shift what we prioritize in our lives. Why? I want people to think in terms of happiness and mental health. 
not what we've been told to do or what everyone else is doing or what the commercials tell us. And part of that's moving away from consumerism. I'm working with a lot of people that are struggling within that. And it might not feel like something that's directly applicable, but we are all in this place of having to figure out as a human on this planet, what are the things we need to have purpose and meaning and value in our lives? That is one of the number one things that leads to a lot of depression, anxiety, and addiction is not having a life that's tied to meaning and purpose. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. Um, for those that are new or haven't heard this or don't remember, I like circling through topics. Why? Because it drives it home. The more I repeat topics or gems or headlines, the more it gets built in, right? And I just want to remind everyone that all the studies show over and over that what leads to mental health, but also what leads to happiness is dun, 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 finding a life of purpose and meaning somewhere, somehow, in some part. People don't have long-term ongoing sobriety or mental health if their lives are rooted in things that don't make them happy, don't have any meaning to them. They feel like they're a cog in the wheel. Uh, they're moving through the life board, not connected to hobbies or volunteering or career. When I use the word career, I don't always even mean job. I just mean some process that you are participating in that is exciting and dynamic. You're using the parts of yourself that are most meaningful, right? The skills that you value and enjoy the most and you walk away feeling like you did something. I shared that with you guys on a podcast a while back, but let's repeat that really quickly that what makes us feel happy is three things. One of those things is career and all you have to do, and I say that as though it's a small feat, to check the box of yes, I've handled the career part is again, it's not about just saying yes, I've job or an employment. No, that actually is not what we're talking about. We're talking about, and for some, this will be their job or employment. For others, it'll be volunteering, it'll be a hobby, it'll be something else. But career means I participate in this thing that is A, consistent, right? Consistently a part of this thing. B, I'm utilizing what we call my signature skills, which means the parts of myself that I value the most, your artistic side, numbers, your hands, crafting, thinking, whatever it is, the parts of yourself that you most value, you know, value. And also you walk away from it feeling as though you did something meaningful. And if your job doesn't meet that criteria, then that doesn't meet the criteria of having career. And for people that have a job that won't ever be that, that's okay. You go find that somewhere in the world, maybe being a parent. Maybe it's your hobby. I find that in my career, but I also find that when I'm out in the world reading and writing and producing and helping do social justice. I find that when I'm out being an activist, I'm consistently participating in that process. I walk away feeling like I did something and it's utilizing the parts of myself that I most value. I also find that in my romantic relationship. So you have to find that somewhere. So start there. And then the second piece is relationships. Don't have to be romantic, but you have to have relationships, meaningful relationships. You're meaningfully connecting with others around the, the parts of yourself that you feel, you know, are most important, right? So we don't feel alone when we're with those people. And then finally, and this is one we don't talk enough about. I'm always wanting to talk more about it. I don't know why I don't. Uh, spirituality. Those are the three things that the happiest people have. Um, so check in on that. How's that career part? Is your career meeting those criteria or something in your life? Number two, socialization. What's that like? And finally, number three, spirituality. Spirituality is big. Why? Well, because it makes us feel like there's a bigger purpose and meaning to our lives. Uh, it also gives us ethics. It also gives us perspective. Like, what is this all about? What, do I, what am I here for? Um, and also for some, depending on what your spirituality is about, it also makes you feel like you're not alone. Like there's a higher purpose or even a higher being for those that believe in God, which I do believe in God, not the stereotypical version that my Catholic upbringing, you know, forced upon me. But I do believe that we are all God. We are all interconnected and part of something bigger and greater. God is all of us. We are all God. You know, it's like this transpersonal perspective, right? Where we are all exchanging matter and energy with the universe. It's also why I'm vegan, because animals' lives matter too. I'm not a speciesist, right? Like, I don't enact violence. I think we're all interconnected. And we're seeing that in climate change. When we really, really lean into that false separation of us and the planet and ecology, it harms us. We don't feel like we're responsible for the impact we're having on the earth around us, but we are. And so we need to reconnect with that. Uh, we'll talk some other time about the climate change piece because that is a mental health issue, especially because 
it also has a lot of environmental racism in it, right? Where it's the you know neighborhoods and areas that have a higher concentration of people of color that tends to have the most ecological damage and things called food deserts where access isn't given to a wide variety of foods and foods that we deem to be more nutritious. And that's also where you feel, find landfills and other dangerous toxic sites, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's all in there. And it is a mental health issue. Our environment around us matters. Our mental health is not compartmentalized. The uh, social world we're a part of, the family dynamics we're a part of, the mental health of our place of work matters. Your boss's mental health impacts your mental health. Your coworkers' mental health impacts your mental health. Your friends, right? All of it matters. It, it, it's a it's a to- total perspective. Um, gonna take a little break. When we come back, though, we're gonna keep talking about uh, a reorientation to our lives. And I'm going to I'm going to break it down with some bullet points. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Cube and Odyssey will be back. All right, we're back. So, let's answer the uh big existential question on everyone's mind. Dr. Chris, what is it that we should be thinking about, focusing, centering or prioritizing in our lives that might be better places to find worth and value? as opposed to consumerism or our gym body. You know, all these things that don't actually have a lot of meaning and value, but culturally we've really infused with such where it's mind boggling when you think about it, these objects that are made of just metal and plastic, cars, watches, clothing. And trust me, I value and appreciate the art and beauty of craftsmanship. I definitely shop and 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 buy things that make me happy. So it's not me trying to poo-poo moments of joy. I'm the first one to say that standing somewhere eating a donut and having, you know, a blast of dopamine and pleasure for, you know, again, if it's my case, I can eat that. I stuff that donut in my mouth in, you know, 30 seconds. So it's only about a 45 second blast of joy, but nonetheless, we're, that's meaningful. Enjoy that. You know, we take vacations for small windows of a time in the wider lens of our year, and that still is worth and value. So I'm not poo-pooing moments of joy. Go go buy those, you know, sneakers that you want. In fact, there's a new pair of sneakers I really want. Um, so it's not to knock that. It's just saying that can't be what our happiness is dependent upon. And that's when we get into trouble, right? Um, whenever I'm working with clients on whatever it might be, but we'll look at and we'll talk about uh, market value and social capital and erotic capital. What do all these big over-intellectualized words mean? Basically means what are the parts of yourself that you think are most meaningful or desired by others, right? Because when we're dating, going on a job interview, um, going out anywhere into the world, even just like the supermarket, there's certain parts of ourselves that we like to lead with or we think are our best, right? And there's a market value, and I, and I hate that that thing exists, but it does. Culturally, we, we prioritize and desire some things far beyond other things, right? More so and less so. And the thing is, mental health-wise, if it is only rooted in one or two things, well, you better hope that those things exist forever, if your worth is tied to that, if it is tied to your gym body or your beauty or your age or your finances, dear God in heaven, I know what happens when you financially bottom out. I know what happens when you age and your body changes. I know what happens when you're injured and not able to go to the gym anymore. I watch my clients deteriorate. And so this whole topic is about what are the other things in the in life that have more sustainability and longevity that we can also tie our worth to. You know, one of the more, shockingly, for some, one of the more difficult uh, uh, moments of practice therapeutically is ready for this one. I think this will surprise some people. So there's a lot of different things that clinically come into my office and some are easier, some are harder, and sometimes it matters specifically on the person's experience. But one of the more difficult moments, a moment when all of the client's stuff is on blast is when they're single, for those that are single, and for those that are interested in dating, to see who they are as they move through the dating world. And what I really mean is what it is that they seek in others. Their willingness to give people a chance, looking at their ego wish list of what they think this other person needs to be or have to be of worth and value. That is when you see all this cultural baggage. When the client's saying, well, they need to be this hot, this tall, and they need to be this weight, 
and they need to make this kind of money and they need to own a home. You see, that's all, that's their anxiety speaking. What fantasy do they have of what these things will provide? Why does their ego need them to be a certain height when that has literally no relevance to any relational or mental health piece at all? But yet all of their stuff is in there. You see the cultural socialization of what's most prioritized and seen as beautiful. You see you know, their self-confidence and what they can tolerate having in their life and how others might perceive them as a result of that. You see what they're trying to um, over-rely upon in other because they haven't been able to create that in themselves. Because really confident, successful people are like, they can just be themselves. I don't need anything from them. I just want to witness the world with them. But insecure people would say things like, well, maybe I don't, I'm not confident in my career or my finances, so I want them to bring that in. Or I, I don't feel good about who I am, and so I need to have my partner by my side look in a certain way so the world reflects back more worth and value. It's like it's all in there. And so the minute we step into what's going on in your dating world, why are you not meeting people, what kind of person do you think you need to meet, what went, how was that date last week, that's when the, that's when some of the rubber really hits the road. And it really gets brought up that a lot of people's worth and value are tied to some very specific things in self and other, right? Because think about that. Our, our, our ego, our self-esteem extends beyond us. And it's tied to the people in our life because we move through the world thinking, well, there's our sesame based on the people they see me with. What kind of worth do the people I'm with have? Because that reflects back on me. Is that real? In a way it is because that does actually happen, but is that something we should make a lot of value and meaning out of? No, because I want us to be better than that, right? I want us to not care about this imaginary or real audience that we think is judging us. That often actually isn't, but even in moments if they are, that shouldn't be that meaningful or relevant to us. But the, the point is, is there are certain things that we tie our worth and value to, and sometimes that is rooted in others, but they're not always sustainable, or and often that's also what keeps us stuck or trapped. Anyway, we gotta take a break. We're gonna glide into those DMs, and then after that, we'll get into what are the things that maybe are more sustainable. So stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and now it's time to glide into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. We've got a DM for us. Again, the DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Drop it on in them DMs and producer Alex will get it to me. His question says, hey, Dr. Chris, love everything you do and hi from Canada. What's up, Canada? I love Canada, truly. Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, um, where else have I been? I've been to a bunch of places up there. Amazing. As things are opening up very quickly, you say, I find myself a little anxious. Not so much with the disappearance of masks or restrictions, but back to making plans. Sounds weird, but with so many of my friends seem to be jamming it all in and making up for lost time. Trips, getaways, get-togethers, etc., etc., which is great, don't get me wrong. But like many others during COVID, our household's finances got a bit worse. And while I would love to start booking trips and vacations, it's just not feasible right now. It's hard enough having fear of missing out, but another level when people ask what my summer plans are and I just can't really tell them much, aside from spending time with my dogs and around the city. Anyway, I find myself not wanting to spend time with people to avoid the questions because then I get into a funk about my crappy financial situation. Yeah, I appreciate that. There's also something kind of classist in assuming that everyone has the money and time to be taking big, extraordinary trips. I know when I told people I was taking a vacation, everyone was like, where are you going? With this expectation that I'd have this like phenomenal thing. And I was like, well, first off, I have a lot of anxiety because we're in a pandemic. And I was like, I'm not getting on an airplane and flying around. Why? We're in a pandemic. I'm vaccinated, but I don't want a breakthrough. And I don't want to be a part of spreading. And I also don't think it's really good modeling of behavior to be like, look at me flying around on a plane. Others should do it too. So like, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people aren't now or even in the future. It's okay to do staycations. It's okay to rest. I'm telling people, rest more. For some, their vacations are more labor, more depletion, and it, they're like never resting. And so what I did on my vacation is I rested. I, I wasn't available on my phone. I slept in. I just had fun. What did I do? Everything that made me feel good. It was rooted in pleasure and joy only. Anything that felt bad or labor, I did not do. Like I was saying earlier, that's what I'm going to be doing on my weekends. Fun only. I will not be doing any work or labor of any kind on my weekends. Those are for me. Work stuff needs to be squeezed into my work week. Or my answer is I don't have this, the time for that. 
my work week ends at a certain nighttime and it ends on Friday. And the rest, night times and weekends are mine. And I want everyone to start doing that. You don't need to be accessible to your boss or your friends or your family members after work hours or on the weekends. There was a time when we were only called upon to do labor during labor times. And so vacation is, you're allowed to just be floating around with your dog and your, and your partner or not. You're allowed to just say, I'm off my phone. You know, I also had sprained my ankle right before my trip and couldn't walk. So it's like we're, we, have a, we have a right to push back on the world and not have expectations that we're always working or that we're always putting in exertion or labor or money for these extravagant ways to do self-care or vacationing or taking breaks. In fact, I think that is, again, more labor and depletion. I think going local, not spending money, not doing anything complicated, doing something very easy and close to home is probably more self-care oriented anyway, right? So like, bring that back, feel good about that. Be an activist by reminding your friends that downtime should be downtime. And so own that proudly. I'm going nowhere, that's exhausting and expensive. I'm staying home and I'm focusing on rest and pleasure, rest and pleasure only. And kind of lead that charge and start normalizing that. That's what I've been doing, you know what I mean? These extravagant things aren't necessarily always tied to that and don't need to be. And also to those on the outside, stop asking people, assuming that they all have the same resources because they don't. Um, so, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm, on, I'm going on vacation or taking a break, maybe just say, great, enjoy that, you know? But I'd also say uh, before we wrap up that maybe practice your answer so that you feel really confident what you're gonna say to people when that question emerges because understandably when you say vacation, people go where or what. Have a have an answer right in the back of your pocket. You know what I mean? Um, all right, y'all, we got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And when we get back, we're going to keep talking about the kinds of things that maybe are going to give us a little more meaning in life, which is about moving away from the things we've been told are supposed to. You know what I mean? So uh, stick around and join us. You're listening to Loveline, brought to you by Astroglide. Blue, blue, blue. Blue it up, y'all. Astroglide. Thank you. And uh, yeah, brought to you by Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, y'all, we're back. So again, back to this big question. Before the DM break, uh, we were chatting about what are the things in life that maybe we should put more pride or worth into that give us that sustainability and that longevity that our beauty, our age, our finances, our gym body, our material possessions, even our career can't give us over the long term at least because those things ebb and flow. They come in and out. Those are not sustainable. We've seen horrible stories of people losing quote unquote everything and really, really struggling, taking it as far as thinking that they need to not exist anymore. Um, and yet a lot still exists that's really meaningful, beautiful, and powerful, but our culture has really socialized us to think that our worth has to be tied to some specific things. So let's get right to it. Let's get to the, um, what do they say, the nuts and bolts of it all. So the, this is not a list that I've prepared. This is actually a list that came out of some research around minimalism. And I know that we're moving into a phase of maximalism where everyone's like, let's do a little bit of extra. You know what I mean? Let's be extra. But um, I think minimalism has more meaning and value for mental health because it's accessible to everyone. And I do appreciate that we have to think about this intersectionally, which means for people that have lived a life of a lot of deprivation and exclusion, it might be more meaningful for them mental health-wise to live a life of abundance, to feel as though they were, they're worth that. So this is in some ways rooted in people that have a lot of privilege. And so the work for them is to move away from that abundance. And I do want to recognize and hold space for people that are queer, trans, of color, larger bodied, lower education or socioeconomics, and haven't always felt as though the world was a safe place of abundance and worth. And so there, your work might be moving towards maximalism and, and, and all of that. And, and maybe it actually isn't about the minimalism. And that even comes up in the 12-step programs for some people, where some people that have lived an entire life of powerlessness, it's actually quite toxic and mentally unhealthy for them to be a part of a program that is also carrying with it the need for them to have an identity of more powerlessness. And so 12 steps in AA aren't often for all marginalized identities, and they often feel even more disempowered in them. I'll talk about that more in another show because I know for some people they were like whoa that was something and uh, we'll circle back another time and say more about it but what are the things that we can tie our worth to number one owning only the things you need imagine that imagine that imagine that I've gone through the pandemic really trying to not be very um, spendy 
I was like, let me try to kind of go more basic. Um, and that's also rooted in some health things that occurred, which maybe I'll talk about. I'll talk about more so on a different show, I think. But um, some health things occurred and it really forced me to have to change my relationship to food and cooking and eating and eating out. I realized I had dangerously high blood pressure. I mean, dangerously high. And I realized I wasn't tracking sodium levels in my food and most people don't. Heart disease is the number one killer on this planet, especially in America. It's the number one killer, heart disease, heart issues, number one killer. Well, what's tied to that? is our high sodium diet. I was looking at the foods I was eating and that are offered even as a vegan plant-based eater and they are, I was eating double or triple the amount of sodium I should have in a day. And now my, my blood pressure levels due to backing off of stress, setting boundaries with my time and my work and my accessibility, but also really getting my sodium levels lower, my high blood, my high blood pressure is getting to a safer level. And I'm not going to need medication if I can keep it up, but I have to keep stress at bay. I have to set boundaries on my time and my work. I'm really honoring my time off. During my vacation, I was not accessible. I was not responding to emails. I was like, the world can wait till I get back. I'm going to start doing that with my weekends. I'm not going to be working on my weekends. I'm not going to be accessible on my weekends. And during the week, I'm going to be unavailable after a certain time as well. That's for my literal physical mental health. But please, people, check the sodium levels in the food you're eating. Get educated on what the amount is you should have in a day and track for a couple of days the amount you're having, and you're gonna learn a lot. We're killing ourselves with that sodium and the sugar. But again, we'll talk about that in another show, but it really brought me back to this first point, which is about owning only what I need and eating what I need. And, and I was really looking at my spending habits, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm really over-relying upon these small bursts of joy to give me happiness, and purchasing and owning things are small bursts of joy, but I was like, what about more sustainability? And I realized that's from, dun da 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 contentment. Contentment is what's gonna really give us mental health and happiness, being content with what we have, saying, all's well, I don't need more. But again, while saying that, we are still allowed to have those moments of joy, those bursts of joy. We are allowed to have a dopamine rush. Go have sex for some pleasure and joy. Go masturbate for some pleasure and joy. Go eat a donut for some pleasure and joy. You know what I mean? Go buy something. We're allowed to have pleasure and joy in our lives, right? The purpose of life isn't to have this monk-like kind of existence, but our total happiness and our worth and confidence can't be tied to that and that alone is the deeper point, right? So we're getting to that minimalism, coming back to self, sitting in that lack. Also, ready for this one? Contributing to charity. What an interesting thing. How's that even tied to mental health? Well, powerfully, it's realizing that there is other people and things greater and bigger than yourself, right? It's contributing to something meaningful. It's, it's developing a wider sense of collective responsibility and empathy, thinking about others. We hear that, that comes out of the 12-step program. Apparently that's gonna be a reference point maybe for today's show. I don't know where that came from, but let's do it. Uh, they talk a lot about for, when, you know, for people that are struggling with a craving for their you know, drug or alcohol to be of service. And I love that because oftentimes our issue is that we're too trapped in ourselves or in our head, right? People talk about living in their head, get out of your head. Oh, we got to take a break. When we come back, cliffhanger, we're going to talk more about this. So stick around, y'all. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And before the break, I was like, you know, getting into it. And I was saying how, you know, we're talking about what are the things that can really be centered in our lives. And I was using this 12-step, an addiction reference, which is, Oftentimes we move through the day uh, very self-obsessed. And I'm saying all this very lovingly. So I, I want people to always feel challenged to reflect on who they are and, and, and what they're doing in the world, but know that it's said very lovingly. So I'm, I'm putting on my 100% my, my cotton kid gloves as I say all this. But a lot of times we move through the world in our day, think about it, we move through our day very self-obsessed. Uh, and I appreciate those that are caretakers and mothers and parents and, and are like, well, maybe not so much because we're thinking about others. But for the bulk of us, we move through the day really thinking about what we need, what we want, right? And we're very self-obsessed and that's called often living in our head. Sometimes we're ruminating in a problem and the way to really pull ourselves out of that, but also to recognize that all's well and there's more going on and to also 
right size things, we tend to amplify, is to be of service. How can we participate in something that's about others and giving to others? It distracts us, it pulls us out of ourselves, it anchors us. It also makes us feel good because we're meaningfully participating in solution and change. And that goes back to what I was saying in the earlier segments, right? That like happiness comes from socialization, and career participating in something meaningful that has repetitiveness, where we walk away feeling like we've done something. And then finally, spirituality, that is all pulled together and woven in acts of service. So my answer to a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm always ruminating, I'm obsessing, you know, I have a lot of anxiety is go be of service. Get out of your head Get out of your own life. You're not even being productive or constructive or solution-oriented. Go be of service. Go help and worry and focus on someone and something else. And it works. So there's something really powerful in that. Make your life rooted in that. Spend some time away from yourself, distracted. You know, we spend too much time in our heads. So I think there's something really beautiful in this charity thing, this volunteering thing. There's so many ways to do that. Even if you just say, I'm going to spend time um, once a week or daily using my social media as a site or resource for, you know, community, uh, activism, resource, like there's so many ways that we can step into something that's outside of ourselves. Um, Spending time on things that matter kind of ties back to what I just said, but also saying to yourself, like, what do I think is actually the most meaningful things in life? And is my life really centered in that? Most of you will probably say no. I don't think you're going to say what's most meaningful in my life should be having abs, wearing the latest pair of workout pants that everyone else at the gym's wearing and I need to look like them or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, I think you'd probably say it's a bunch of other things and you might then realize, well, my life isn't necessarily aligned with that. Let me do that. Uh, Focusing less on money. And again, that is somewhat of a privileged position to be able to say, I need to worry less about money. Um, We all need to get our basic needs met. And once we have our basic needs met, then that is something we can step into. So again, I'm holding space for those where basic needs aren't met and employment is difficult and finances aren't secure and that you do need to worry about that. So I appreciate that. A lot of these articles are, are really written in a white cis hetero perspective, truly a white cis hetero middle upper class, which is what the entire Phil psychology is obsessed with written by and for. So we're always trying to kind of challenge that. So here's another moment to do that. Um, being an engaged parent, uh, finding an opportunity to inspire others. Again, a lot of these on this list are about stepping outside of ourselves, getting out of our heads, thinking about others, thinking on a larger scale, looking at what needs to be done. We have, the world is literally falling apart and on fire and flooding because of climate change. Maybe instead of worrying about weight you've gained or lost or how, you know, if you have the shoes you want, think about how can I help the world stop burning down around me? How can I help be a part of changing the fact that in 70 countries it's illegal to be gay or trans and they're literally imprisoned and murdered? Like, I, I, I have to imagine you believe that those are of a higher calling. You know what I mean? Like, how can we lean into some of those? Here's another one, contributing to a better world. Do you see, do you see the theme when I pulled together a bunch of research and minimalism and moving back towards what we need to prioritize in our lives? And this is all a mental health issue, right? Um, what else do we have? I mean, here we go. Treating others the way you want to be treated, really looking at the way we show up in the relationships in our life. Is your life rooted in what you think your true calling is? I mean, they're very existential things, but they all come back to like, what are your ethics? Have you ever sat down and wrote out your mission statement? Like, what is your mission statement? Like, what do you want your, what is your purpose on this planet? What do you want your time on this planet to be about and rooted in? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want at the end of your life to look back at your life and say, this is what I was prioritizing? Write it all down. What do you think are the five most important, meaningful things in life? And, and are you living with censoring that, you know? And if not, how can you start to? That is what I want people to do. Write your mission statement. Dr. Chris is giving you homework. Homework. Write your mission statement. What am I here? What do I want my life to be about? And then also a second piece is what are the three to five things that you think are the most important things in life? And is your life centered in those two things? And if not, start doing that. Some of us, it's easier because we've already been a part of that. If we're activists or educators um, or in the you know helping feed or a care t- helping field or a caretaker, but for some of us, we're not. Some of us, we realize our lives are part of the problem. We're pushing, we're pushing ideas, concepts, or products that are contributing to the problem. But there is a way within that to flip it. I'll share with you a quick antidote. I remember I hadn't seen a friend in a long time. 
who is part of a, a gigantic beauty company. And I had anxiety about spending time together. We were going to catch up at a restaurant, hadn't seen this person in years. And I was thinking, and again, I'm, I'm owning this. I'm being very vulnerable. So, you know, give some empathy. I'm not knocking any industry, but I remember thinking like, what do we have in common? This person spends his day telling people that they need to spend money on makeup, which they don't, and that they need to look other than they look now, which they don't. And we're trying to work on people not caring about those things. And it was just like this, this ethical conflict in my head. Oh, we're going to take a break. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Where does the story go? Y'all going to have to stick around and find out. <laughs> Oh, God. All right, y'all. Stick around and find out where the story goes. I swear it lands somewhere meaningful. Um, and while you're at it, give us a follow on uh, our IG, Loveline. That's also where the DMs come from. So if you got a DM, drop it on the Loveline IG. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, we're back. So for the little break there, I was telling you that... Um, you know, we're trying to root our lives in something better. Mental health is very much a part of those we're spending time around, what our worth and value is. But I was saying to you guys, I want you guys to do this homework assignment of writing your mission statement and documenting what are the things that you think are most important. So I was saying I had to go to, well, I didn't have to, but I chose to go to dinner with a friend I hadn't seen in years who works in the music, uh, in the music, works in the fashion and beauty industry. And I was, you know, grumpy and I was like, God, we have nothing in common. I'm not interested in that industry. I think it's quite problematic. Although I do value the, uh, the art of makeup and um, I have a friend who's a makeup artist and does all, all sorts of phenomenal things with television shows. So I value all of that. I think there's skill, I think there's beauty, but he works with selling cosmetics and I was like, eh, I don't know if I feel good with that branding. So we go to dinner and my friend was telling me about the spiritual journey he's been on. And I was like, interesting, interesting, because I'm always trying to um, learn about people's spirituality. I find that to be very important. And I'm always trying to get better about my spiritual journey and my understanding of God and what the world is about. And uh, I, I very much uh, believe, uh, see things similar in the way that like Einstein does, where it's like the fusion of, anyway, we'll get into that another show. But my friend then says something very healing and profound. And, and I'm offering this to my listeners, y'all, as a way to reorient your position within some of your jobs or social circles to help you understand that you don't always have to get rid of everything. You don't always have to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Sometimes you can make change within, right? Um, and he said to me, yeah, you know, so I'm still working in the beauty industry. And I was like, okay, okay. And I said to him outright, it's interesting. You're sharing with me the spiritual journey you're on. You're sharing with me how you want to be a part of making the world better. You're sharing with me how you want to be a part of change. Um, how do you think that that intersects with your job? Which basically says to people, you need to spend money on looking different and that we need to look our best at all times and makeup and blah, 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 blah. And I said, a lot of women I work with feel very pressured by that, that they have to look a certain way and the male gaze and they're performing um, femininity in the way that the male gaze desires and requests of them and this whole thing. And he goes, well, he said, I, I had that dilemma as well at one moment. And he said, what I realized was though, is that, when people ask me about makeup, I say to them, there's no wrong way to do it. And there's no goal other than having fun with it. And that you have to enter makeup saying, how can I have fun with this? Is there a way that I can utilize this tool to better express who I am authentically and really step into that and show the world that? I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to conform, but I'm having fun with it. And he said, so I, tell, I help people find the lightness in it. I help redirect them back to the authenticity and I help bring them back to who do you want to be? And is there a way we can use this to get to that? And I thought, what a beautiful way to reorient your role within that system. Because I didn't see it as a cop-out. And some of you might hear that, that he's doing some cognitive gymnastics to make it make sense, but that wasn't what he did. And my experience sitting there is, is, I, is he, was, he was being honest. He could have left, but he said, I'm going to find a way to make this better. I'm going to find a way to use this as a tool to help people. And I thought, what a beautiful thing. And we can all do that. If you're in an industry where you don't believe in the mission statement, maybe you do need to leave. If you're pushing problematic, toxic things like weight loss, we need to get away from that. That is dangerous. And it fails. The studies show 99 to, 98 to 99% of diets fail because it's not a healthy way of being. But there are some industries where we can reorient it. And I think that that was a really beautiful thing. And I want to challenge all of us to say, what am I a part of? 
Am I proud of what I'm a part of? If it's what I'm a part of, what I make money from and spend my day doing, does that hurt people? Does it harm or is it better? If you have a media platform, use your microphone to make people feel better. Don't, don't write a book or be part of a show that makes people feel marginalized, put down, mocked, or laughed at. You know what I mean? Like, be a part of making things better. And we can all be challenged to do that. So that's the other challenge I'll put on y'all. What can you do within your career to make it a positive experience for the world and for others? If you're part of something that's harming people or toxic, is there a way you can reorient that? Maybe it's just being a whistleblower and actually taking your company down by saying we are problematic and we're doing a lot of problematic things and I need to bring this forward. I need to be a whistleblower. Do that. Do that. Truly do that. Or you say, I'm going to reorient my position within. I'm going to make some change. Because sometimes we make a lot more change by being in the system than we do by being outside throwing rocks at it. And that's something I learned powerfully. Hear that again. We can stand outside protesting and throwing rocks metaphorically. And that is important and meaningful in some spaces. But we can sometimes do more by being in the system if we can take care of ourselves, right? And, and do more before it harms us. And we can sometimes create change from within. So if you're within these systems, create the change from the inside out. It's a powerful thing. So uh, when we come back, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So uh, you got a DM for us? Drop it in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. We want to hear from you. Any question you got, anything you want me to cover more, cover it all, haven't covered before, let us know. I'm always trying to keep it broad, but I want to meet your needs. And uh, you want to check out past episodes, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. There they all are. Lots of good sh uh, stuff, lots of good shows, I was going to say, excuse me. You can post, share, all that, and uh, give us a follow back. You know what I mean? Uh, but when we come back, we're going to be gliding into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. Thank you, Astroglide. Lube it up. Lube is one of the most amazing things you can add on to your solo or partnered sexuality. Amplifies the arousal, amplifies the fun. Can't go wrong with that. So stick around, y'all. We'll be back. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we are back. Now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, not trying to box you into a type. Ah, but you're about to, huh? <laughs> but I'm curious if you know what your 16 personalities Meyer-Briggs type is. If so, can you explain it further? Uh, I don't know, and I don't really subscribe to all that. Um, I think that there can be some meaning and relevance to that. But um, if you want to know about my personality, you can ask me, and I'll just tell you based on my own experience of myself. I don't think in those terms. Um, and those codifying ways of seeing self and other, I think, often have a problematic history. And you can't you know, encapsulate someone's totality into that. I'm not trained in that. That's not part of uh, psychological training. I know that a lot of people are excited by that and astrology. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, the way I assess self and others by spending time with and seeing what kind of intimacy they can tolerate and enjoy, right? What kind of relational skills they have, uh, their mental health, and none of that is shown in those factors necessarily, right? Because the way someone steps into and actually acts that out in the world is an experiential thing. Um, so I have no answer for that. Um, but if you listen to my show and you follow me on social media and you read my books, you might have a little bit of a sense of who I am, but I'm many different people depending on who I'm with. I'm one person when I'm with my patients in my practice. I'm another person while I'm on media. I'm another person with my partner. I'm a different person with my friends and I'm a different person with my parents. And even within that, that'll change based on my mood and what's going on around me. We're all many different people. We're all multi-phrenic protein, right? We're relationally created. So each relationship is going to bring out a different part of us because it's co-created based on who you're sitting with and what they're bringing in. The context matters, what's going on in my life, what's going on culturally. During you know COVID, there's going to be a little bit more anxiety being brought forward in my personality. Outside of COVID, maybe more confidence. When things are going well in my career, you may be seeing me more anchored. You know what I mean? Like all these different pieces matter. 
So I'm many different people at many different times. Like we all are, we're always changing. I don't believe in a core enduring self. I think ourselves are always evolving if we're really doing the work. And like I said, it's co-created with those we're spending time around. It's contextualized based on place and time and history. It, it's so vast. So I always push back on labels when they're saying like, this person's borderline, that you told me nothing. You know what I mean? Even gender, they're a boy. I don't even know what that means or looks like for that person. You know what I mean? Uh, someone says they're gay. I'm like, I've still learned nothing about you. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're attracted to. I don't know what kind of sex you have. Like those things are great starting points, but like we have to see what that person's like with us today. It's called negative capability. Who are you today? Because you're gonna be different today than you were yesterday. And we're all these different pieces. So it's okay to be many different people at many different times in different relationships. That's mental health, right? So I don't have an answer to that so yeah sorry um but some people are really into that props i know a lot of people that are really into astrology that's awesome i don't know a thing about it i really don't i kind of glaze over when people start talking about it it's just not my jam you know can you make do something meaningful with it sure why not you know what i mean but my whole thing is if you want to know about someone ask them and let them tell you about themselves but even that'll fail you right because that's how they want to be seen maybe or how they feel that day it's far bigger than all of that so um yeah, so that's that one. But if you got a DM of any kind, drop them in the DMs. I like questions like that. I like when people ask something personal, generally. It tells me you care. We talked a little bit about making sure we're engaging others, right? Not always thinking about ourselves, so I like that. Um, but if you got anything mental health related, we're here to hear about that. Uh, COVID is still bringing up a lot. Self-care is still an important topic. And just people trying to step into more activism and step outside of their gender training or toxic masculinity. So questions like that are great as well. But uh, let's take a minute just to talk about Astroglide. You guys are familiar? Amazing products of all different kinds, but their lube is one of my favorites. All different kinds of lotions and massage oils for everyone. They are big about inclusivity being there for everybody. And I think lube is a really great enhancer for sexuality. It really helps us with solo sex and partnered sex, ants up to pleasure, right? And it's also just a sign that you're really investing in your eroticism. So if you're someone who doesn't tend to use lube, jump in on some, get some Astroglide and really take that bad boy for a little spin and see how it can enhance things. That is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. We're going to be talking tomorrow about resilient couples. What are the things that couples do? But again, that applies to all relationships. So we're talking about relational resilience. And then in the second hour, we'll be getting a little more spicy, a little more spicy. We're going to be talking about orgasms. What can we learn about orgasms? But more importantly, what can we learn about ourselves and our partner through the kind of orgasms we have? You're going to stick around to hear about that tomorrow and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Always there. Scroll down, look for my little face in the name of the show, click on, and there they are. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. Be kind to yourself and others, and you enjoy the rest of the night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.